my loves, how are you doing today? First of all, for those that are watching the video, do you like my new friends? I've got, that's leopard, the plant there. The big one behind me, hold on, is zebra. That one is waxy. And that's it. I took myself to a trip to the garden center and thought, well, I would like some new friends in my office and I love them. So I hope you do too. Anyway, let's get into the episode. You may have to bear with me a little bit today. I feel extremely tired today. So I might be reading more than I am intuitively chatting, but let's see how we go. I've spent um, all morning writing this blog, which I'm so excited to read to you because I'm not going to lie, it's epic. (laughs) I've put so much into this and it makes so much sense and I hope it's going to help you with where you're at. So the title, I'm sure you already know, is called Extreme Hunger When You're Not, quote, Underweight. And the reason I've chosen to do this episode today is because I've had many questions recently actually regarding extreme hunger and mental hunger when the person isn't underweight, and I say underweight in quotes, or one person described themselves at definitely, absolutely at their set point weight. Now, one controversial but crucial aspect of the recovery process, regardless of what eating disorder you are recovering from, is allowing and following extreme hunger regardless of your weight. The journey towards recovery is challenging and there's no question about it. Recovery involves confronting fears and facing discomfort. But do you know what is on the other side of fear? Freedom. Beyond fear is freedom. And I'm going to share with you today why it's important to acknowledge and then honor extreme hunger and eating disorder recovery, regardless of your weight. And as you listen to this, you will most likely be triggered. The eating disorder will most likely have a tantrum, but ultimately to fully recover, you must stop listening to the eating disorder fears we all get to a point where the thought of recovery absolutely terrifies us, but we just know we have to do it anyway. The better prepared that we are for it, the more chance we have at seeing ourselves getting to the other side. Because ultimately, we literally have two choices. Number one, to stay in the eating disorder and have our life worsen over time because the eating disorder takes more control over time and invents more ridiculous rules that we have to follow if we let it. I know it feels like you don't have a choice, but you do. Number two, this is the second choice, to embark on your recovery journey and go into the unknown. Yes, it is scary, but we're constantly scared anyway when we have an eating disorder, right? So we may as well be scared and get closer to freedom. So what I'm going to do with this episode, I'm gonna, it's going to be a long one, just FYI. Um, I'm going to speak to extreme hunger in general first, and then I'm going to go into why this is still applicable for you, even if you think you're weight restored or at your weight set point now. So listen carefully to everything I'm about to say. It does apply to you, okay? 
All right, let's dive in. Does everyone get extreme hunger? Extreme hunger is pretty common. It's a pretty common part of any eating disorder recovery. I personally didn't go through it until later on in my recovery. Some go through it in earlier stages and some do not go through it at all. However, 98%, I would say, of my clients that I've worked with have experienced extreme hunger. In all honesty, if you are not experiencing hunger at all, and you say you are in active recovery, and by active recovery, I mean actually taking action steps every day, excuse me, to recover and not just thinking about recovery, then you're honestly most likely not eating enough. Your body needs to know that it's actually got access to enough food before it starts sending you strong signals to eat. Otherwise, it's a waste of energy for your already energy depleted body. Okay. Is extreme hunger binging? Most people confuse extreme hunger with binging, which it is not. I'm going to go into that later. It is feasting after any famine comes a feast if we allow it some resist it they don't want to admit that extreme hunger is happening because let's be honest it's every eating disorder's worst nightmare some embrace it because they have like me hit a point where they are just not giving a shit anymore they've just gone past caring nothing worse is live nothing worse hold on a minute there is nothing worse than living in the hell hole of the eating disorder. That's the stage I had to get to. I had exhausted my efforts and I got to a point where I was like, fuck, by the way, there's going to be even more swearing in this episode. I got to a point where I was like, fuck this. Nothing is worse than what than how I'm living in my mind right now. So whatever it takes. Some of us trust that the extreme hunger is a fuck you to our eating disorder from our bodies, a response of strength, a response of life. Think about that. That is how I saw it. As I said, I was done. When extreme hunger hit, though, it absolutely terrified the shit out of me. My eating disorder told me it would never go away. My eating disorder told me that I would eat and eat and eat and eat and never be able to stop. But I decided to stop listening to my eating disorder the day I actually fully committed to recovery. I'm going to drop a quote for you here. Being 100% committed is challenging. Being 99% committed is hell. My eating disorder had told me lies my entire life. So why would extreme hunger be any different? It wasn't. The hunger did wane eventually. My weight increased and then it slowed. And then one day I arrived at my set point weight, which is where I'm at now, which is around 10 pounds less than my original overshoot recovery weight. I don't weigh myself. I'm just guessing because unfortunately my brain from all the years of dieting and restricting and eating disorders knows on my body roughly what pounds look what way. Okay. There's two types of hunger in recovery. There's mental hunger and there's physical hunger. And you don't have to have either of those in order to eat, by the way. 
In anorexia recovery, you can and often have to eat in absence of hunger. Hunger is a bonus. Even if you do experience extreme hunger during your recovery, you probably won't get it straight away. As I said, I didn't. Listen carefully to this next part. Really, this is so important, okay? My extreme hunger came only after I'd been mechanically eating for months. And then when it did come, I did the absolute worst possible thing that anybody could ever do in eating disorder recovery. And you know what that was? I restricted and tried to compensate for the food that I had eaten, which I then called binging for the next 15 years. Do not make the same mistake that I did. The very sad and fucked up thing is, though, that a lot of professionals when working with eating disorder recovery starts to they start to be. Let me start again. Many professionals when eating. Oh, my God. When eating. I told you I was tired today. Rewind. Take three. Many professionals when working with eating disorder recovery patients or clients. There we go. They start to become concerned with the amount that their client is actually eating and they start to suggest that they cut back a little bit because they don't want to go ahead and develop binge eating disorder. Now, if I had more energy, I would be showing more anger and frustration towards that fact, but it is what it is and I'm here to change that along with so many other great, incredible eating disorder recovery coaches that actually know what the fuck they are talking about, such as myself. Okay, Anorexia recovery, just want to just speak to that specifically for a moment. And by the way, I do this with my hair on the video because it literally gets caught under my armpit because my hair is so long. And when I had an eating disorder, my hair wasn't long because it kept breaking off and it was brittle as fuck. And now I have shitloads of it and it's all real. Not that that matters, but people are like, is your hair real? Yep, it's real. How did you get hair like that? Well, number one, genetics. Number two, because I actually nourish myself and that helps. Okay. Anorexia recovery. Anorexia recovery is about eating regardless of hunger, regardless of mood, regardless of stress levels, regardless of whether or not you like what you're eating, regardless of the time of day or night, regardless of what culture tells you about food, regardless of what the person next to you is doing, regardless of what your family is telling you to do or not do. You can eat crying, you can eat shaking, you can eat swearing. I did all of the above. All right, back to mental hunger in general. But let's assume that you're listening to this episode because extreme hunger has hit and you have eaten and you have eaten so much that your stomach hurts and your brain is saying, how could you have possibly eaten that much? How is that even physically possible? How could you ever justify eating again? You've just eaten enough to last you like a whole week, but you still want more food. That's the mental hunger. Mental hunger counts. Even if you just ate 20,000 calories in one go, if you are still wanting more, you can and should have more. I know this sounds like I'm talking 
absolute utter bullshit and a completely different language to what the eating disorder is saying and what society is saying. But trust me, I have been there. I would let my eating disorder tell me that to keep eating when my stomach was full was ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. It actually makes sense when you consider it. If you consider that the brain is still getting signals from the body, that the body is underweight and needs to eat more. And remember, you can be underweight for you and your genetics, even if you don't, quote, look underweight. The signals are confronting. The stomach is saying it's full. The body is saying it's empty. This is where extreme hunger can be a total clusterfuck of emotions and feelings, right? The mental hunger is your body awake and freaking out after the many years of restriction that it has endured. The mental hunger doesn't trust your stomach. Why? Because you've made your stomach lie to you before, when you filled it up by drinking liters of water, when you've shrunk it by not eating for days, when you ignored the knocking of hunger cues for so long that they just stopped, when you use caffeine as an appetite suppressant, no, a cup of coffee is not a fucking meal, or when you've used actual appetite suppressants, the mental hunger does not trust that you have eaten enough regardless of what your eyes and stomach tell it. The mental hunger is trying to save your life. I could literally eat until I felt physically sick and I was so full that I was unable to move and hardly literally breathe. I am not exaggerating. There's been many times where I've been so full. It's been actually so unbelievably painful physically. And I can I physically can't take a breath because my tummy was so full. There's no room for like air in my lungs. Like I'm not shitting you. But I still wanted to eat more still. Mental hunger does not care what you think is a lot of food. In order to understand the mental hunger, I had to reframe how I saw it. I think a large part of the fear that my eating disorder latched onto and kept replaying over and over again in my head was that I was eating way more than a normal person would eat in a day. And I was able to shut that voice up the thoughts in my head by saying a normal person hasn't been in an eating disorder for however many years right so just practice that whenever the eating disorder is giving you bullshit about how much you're eating come at it with how many people that I'm comparing myself to are actually in active recovery from an eating disorder most eating disorders love numbers Hands up if you're eating disorder. I don't want to say your, it's the, you haven't, I know I'm referring to as my, but what one of the things that I do clarify with my clients is that when they're talking about the eating disorder, they separate the word, the eating disorder from themselves. So instead of saying my eating disorder, I remind them to say the eating disorder. It is not yours. You do not want it. You was not born with it separate yourself from it. You are experiencing an eating disorder. Your brain is experiencing an eating disorder. It is not yours. So hands up if you're, oh my God, there we go again. It's so ingrained. If the eating disorder you're experiencing in your brain loves numbers, hands up. 
hands up again if calories are its currency. Right, this is for you. And I'm going to really have to read this like because it's a load of numbers. Here's how to prove to your freaking out self that you need to eat a shitload of food. You ready? Let's say you need, your body needs 3000 calories a day. Obviously, we don't count calories. Well, if you are, stop it now. I don't count calories. But if I was to guess, I would genuinely, honestly guess that I eat around 3000 calories a day. So let's say you need 3000 calories a day to maintain homeostasis and to thrive in your body. That's around 1,095,000 calories a year. Not going to lie, totally had to Google, I had to copy and paste the number, because obviously I did the math, into Google and had to say, ask Google, how do you say out loud this number? Because I had no clue. (laughs) I didn't even know how to say the number. It was so big. Okay, let me go back to the seriousness, what I was saying. You need 3,000 calories a day, roughly. That's 1,095,000 calories a year. Let's say in the eating disorder, you only eat 1,000 calories a day for a year. And most of you, unfortunately, will be like, wow, 1,000 calories is a quote a lot. I mean, yeah, I used to think that too, but just listen to this. By the way, if you're eating 1,000 calories, you are in clinical restriction. I'm not joking. You are in clinical restriction if you're eating a thousand calories. Anything less than 1800 calories, you're in subclinical restriction, end of. So let's say you only eat 1000 calories a day for a year. That comes to 365,000 calories in a year. That's a deficit of 730,000 calories a year. Let's say you did that for 10 years. That is a 700, hold on, no, I had to Google this too. That is a 7,300,000 calorie deficit you have to make up for, including the 3,000 that your body needs when it's fully weight restored every day. So that's not even factoring in the ridiculous amount of exercise you have most likely done as well. So let's just say there was a load of exercise hours each day. Now, without even considering the deficit of the exercise that you've created, you have a 7,300,000 calorie deficit to make up for. Are you still with me? Excuse me. I was just like, so as I was writing this, I was so enjoying some chocolate raisins and some chocolate salted almonds and those peanut butter brittle things. Anyway, I'm ruining this, aren't I? Okay, let me just go back. Let's say you exercised a lot, but without even considering what exercise deficit would add to the already deficit, you're currently in a 7,300,000 deficit to make up for. So no wonder then a 2,000 calorie large Domino's pizza, for example, didn't even make a dent in your hunger, right? In money terms, that would be like having an overdraft of 7,300,000 and wondering why your bank manager wasn't happy with 2,000 euros, right? Now, I know that the body doesn't do math exactly like this, but if you look at it this way, it helps you to understand the extreme hunger and why it's okay and actually why it's needed for you to eat a lot 
of food, a lot more than other people around you, depending on how many years you've been restricting. And yes, you are still restricting if you are binging, as this is the body's attempt to undo the damage of restriction. So depending on how many years you've been restricting, you have created so much deficit that no matter how much you fill your stomach, your body and mind will still be hungry. If you're experiencing extreme hunger, there's no point trying to fill up on lower calorie foods because all they do is make your stomach even more uncomfortable. So I advise that you temporarily remove high fibrous, high filling foods from your diet, such as vegetables, fruits, rice, as these will not help you to satisfy your hunger these can be added in and don't give me the, any bullshit of like oh well I'm not nourishing myself properly are you fucking nourishing yourself properly now when you're restricting and then most likely binging I thought so okay so instead I would encourage you to eat foods such as cheese peanut butter butter saturated fats ice cream chocolate dollop everything with mayo, whack peanut butter and coconut oil in your smoothies, melt pints of ice cream and drink them if you have to, intentionally act as if you want to gain weight. The eating disorder will absolutely hate this and the eating disorder will want to actually kill me right now. I get it. Good. The eating disorder can go fuck itself because look what prison it's had you caged in for however long, right? Doing the opposite of what the eating disorder wants you to do is the fastest way to recovery. Now, I want to talk about binging for a minute. Nutella used to be my thing. You may have heard me share this before as it was a regular occurrence for me. When I thought I was weight restored because I'd gained a shit ton of weight, I'd want Nutella. But I wouldn't let myself have any because I'd already gained a lot of weight. I'd already been challenging other previously not allowed foods such as cheese toasties for lunch. I'd already gained a load of weight, like I'd already said. I was already eating a lot of chocolate. So I was like, well, I'm not going to allow myself to have that as well. So I'd say to myself something like, well... I'll have Nutella, but I'll have it tomorrow as my lunch on toast, something like that. And before I knew it, I was drinking a jar of Nutella after melting it first in the microwave. I drank the whole 750 grams jar of Nutella. Yes, I felt fucking sick afterwards. My eating disorder was absolutely horrified, disgusted in me. But honestly, deep down, I knew it was the right thing for me because my body needed it. And my mantra from that point going forward, which changed my whole world was, I want what I need. I want what I need. The moral of this story is that after several reoccurring episodes of Nutella drinking, because clearly I couldn't learn the first time, I had to keep trying to restrict it and use willpower, which doesn't work. After several episodes of that, the next time I wanted Nutella, I had some because chances were I would eat the whole fucking jar later anyway. And so what? My body obviously needed the calorie dense food. Interestingly, I only found that I binge ate the way that I did with these jars of Nutella as a result of restricting 
and not allowing myself to have something. This also happened with chocolate for me. I learned that by having chocolate and Nutella whenever I wanted it, I would not feel the desire to eat the whole jar or kilograms of chocolate at a time. The only way through is allowance. Restriction is rooted in many behaviors and extreme hunger helps you weed it out. The sooner I gave in and allowed my body calorie dense foods, the sooner my extreme hunger turned into less extreme hunger, into just plain old hunger, into a normal appetite for me. This is really important. You cannot counter extreme hunger or binging with exercise or any type of purging behaviors. If you do, if you are attempting to counter extreme hunger or binges with exercise or any form of purging, then you are just making the whole process last way longer, like I did. I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa when I was 13 years old. I was forced to eat until the doctors were happy with my BMI, yet I only actually recovered when I was 33. Go back to remembering the millions of calories in deficit that you are currently in and you will realize that exercise and purging is dragging it out. If you are underweight, and again, just to remind you, underweight does not mean under the BMI weight for your height range. It means for you and for your genetics, you should not be doing any kind of any kind of exercise in recovery whatsoever okay if you are still underweight it won't last forever your eating disorder will tell you that extreme hunger and binges will last forever it is as usual lying to you extreme hunger lasts merely weeks in some people and much much longer in others it will not be dictated to you can give up trying to bargain with it, trying to reason with it. It will run its course. You will end up at the same place at the end of it and you have two choices. Number one, eat without restriction and enjoy doing so. Number two, fight it. You won't win. You will most likely binge if you try to restrict yourself anyway. Then you will learn the hard way like I did that you'll. the only option is number one, is to eat without restriction and enjoy doing so. I fought it, like I said, I fought this extreme hunger initially and binge eating and bulimia came as a result of this. And it took me far too long, 15 years to learn that if I fought and if I fought the the hunger and what I wanted to eat, I would only binge. I would only binge eat all the foods that I didn't allow myself to eat eventually anyway, whether that was months down the line, weeks down the line, eventually it was days and then it was the same day. When I surrendered to it, the whole process became almost enjoyable. Sure, I was petrified of weight gain and what that meant to me in the, in the society we live in, but I enjoyed eating. It did not last forever. The hunger, eating past fullness and binges subsided when my body and mind were good and ready to allow it. I had to place trust in my body 100%. I had to trust it would stop with the hunger when it was done. 
I had to trust that one day I would be a normal eater. I had to trust my, that I had to trust that my eating disorder was wrong. Well, look at where listening to that son of a bitch had gotten me anyway. All in all, I had to trust my body. I knew there was no going back. I'd been living life with a full-blown eating disorder since I was 13 years old. I started fucking with my food and was living with disordered eating from the age of nine. I was 30 when I started my true recovery and 33 when I got to a place of absolute food freedom and body love. And I would have got there, got here a hell of a lot sooner, let me tell you, if I hadn't kept going back to micro restricting, which looks like I'm only going to eat chocolate at the weekends. I'm only going to have this, but I'm still allowing and all that bullshit because I was still afraid of weight gain and I allowed the eating disorder to persuade me to suppress my weight because it told me that I could. The same is true for you. If you are in recovery from any eating disorder, extreme hunger or not, going backwards is not an option if you want a life. Okay, I'm going to speak specifically now to the weight restored question. I actually haven't spoke as long as I thought I would. Let me just take a bit of water for the podcast, sorry. Okay, quote, I hear you, Victoria, but I'm weight restored. Should I still allow extreme hunger and binging? You know what my answer is? Yes, yes, and yes, only all of the fucking time. Yes. Remember what I said about energy debt, right? That still applies to you, my friend. Just because you've gained weight, maybe a lot of weight. I call this superficial weight, not because it's not real, but it doesn't mean you've recovered. That's the problem with most inpatient and outpatient treatments. And this is what happened to me. You're at the correct, quote, you're at the correct BMI, so you're discharged. Be careful you don't go the other way and develop binge eating disorder, but make sure you don't go back to restriction either. I mean, what the actual fuck? Your body is always doing stuff. As I sit here speaking to you, as I'm recording this episode right now, my body is doing stuff. In fact, this is maybe TMI, but you know me by now. I'm due on my period any day now. And honestly, the way I feel today, like AKA so tired and exhausted and the noises that my stomach, uh, abdomen are making, I'd bank on it being today. It's busy doing things that I have no clue about what it's doing, my body. Your body is also doing stuff right now as you listen to this. You have no idea if your body is currently repairing something in your liver or in your toenail. That's the awesome thing about having a body. It's pretty much automatic and does everything for you. You can't force your body to give you an itinerary of what it's doing for you. So you can control it and decide whether you want to tick off on that and be like, yeah, okay, I'll allow you to to repair my liver and this hair follicle here and whatever else it's doing, right? You just have to trust and surrender what it's doing because it knows what it's doing. Your body knows what it's doing. 
just as it knows when it needs to empty its bowels or get some water or go to bed to get some sleep. Your body doesn't care about your opinion either. So you may as well choose to love it for what for what it's doing for you. It's trying to bring you back into homeostasis, into homeostasis, homeostasis, however you say that word. And it's trying to bring you back to thriving and actually being able to fully enjoy the life that you have. I know it's fucking hard when society praises thinness and berates fatness, but you can either choose to live with an eating disorder for the rest of your life and potentially live in a smaller body, or you can fuck societal standards of beauty and social capital and live your best life as the authentic you in every way, including in your authentic body. Because here's what will happen if you do not allow unrestricted eating regardless of your weight. There's a huge difference between eating more food than you've ever eaten before and eating without restriction. If you continue to restrict in any way, your brain will assume that there's a food shortage in your environment. If your brain thinks this, it's going to send you a shitload of hunger signals because that's what a smart brain would do, wouldn't it? Think about it. If there's a a shortage of food in the environment, it would make sense to get as much in as possible now, even if you're full. Think COVID and the toilet roll bullshit that happened. There's no toilet rolls because why? Because people are buying like hundreds of rolls because they're scared of there being a shortage. This includes mental hunger, which is why you're most likely eating past fullness and wondering why. You need to rewire your fear of weight gain in order for you to fully recover. And the only way you can do that is by consistently acting as if you are not afraid of weight gain. If you don't, your body will change, but your brain will not. And then you'll be stuck in a bigger body that you absolutely hate and wondering why you ever started recovery in the whole first place. I get it. That's why body image work and self-love inner work is such crucial aspects of eating disorder recovery. But these cannot be worked on until your brain is properly nourished. If you're waiting to start eating unrestrictedly until you're no longer afraid of weight gain, then you'll literally be waiting forever and you'll be stuck for the rest of your life. All of your trauma, all of your unmet needs as a child, all of your shit comes to the surface when you stop restricting and when you gain weight. That's why support is so necessary. And if you would like love and support and a step-by-step guide to recovery, no matter what stage you're at in your eating disorder recovery, from someone who actually knows what they're doing, from someone who's actually been through it themselves, then reach out to me and inquire about one-to-one coaching or group coaching, which is also really highly supportive. Because if not now, then when, right? The I know the eating disorder is so convincing and it's like, yeah, I'm going to do this tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not. Do it now and you get to decide. That doesn't mean you have to work with me. 
get support from somewhere or if you have no funds available whatsoever join my free support group listen to these podcasts make a decision for yourself the time is now because if not now when all right my queens thank you for listening don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I've just given access to someone called Laura. Hi, Laura, if you're listening, who has won this month's free Body Love Bite program because she rated and reviewed the podcast and sent me a screenshot. So please do that. You never know. You could be in a chance to win. I thank you so much for trusting me, for listening. If you have any questions at all about anything, reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, email, whatever. I'm here for you. Okay. All right. Sending you so much love and I will see you next week. Mwah.